All right. Hey, before we begin, let me tell you a funny story that I was recently reminded of. Uh, I was with my buddies in college, and there's four of us. We're super close, super tight-knit, still are. Our families vacation together. We, we hang out all the time, super close. And it was the four of us who, for some unknown reason, we were asked by the security guards at our school at our university, to help them one particular evening. Uh, there, I guess, had been people, like, breaking into certain administration buildings, and the security guards were, were um, left shorthanded, and so they needed help, so they thought, you know what? Here's a smart move. Let's get these four idiots <laughs> on task to help them. And so we did, right? We... we we started helping the security guards uh, this particular evening. Everything was going well. And then it started getting dark. And we're sitting there. We're drinking coffee, eating donuts, because we thought that's what the security guards did. And, uh, and we start seeing things. And so we, uh, we, we jumped in into action. And we started pursuing these subspects, these whatever you want to call them, and um, here's the thing uh, that didn't go as expected. The security guards forgot to tell the actual local police department that we were going to be helping them, and so what we saw was the police, and we started chasing them, and they thought we were the bad guys breaking into buildings, and so they started chasing us, and again, things didn't go as expected, and the police who were chasing us, we ended up locking them in the tennis courts <laughs> behind the student activity center. And we called our security guards, and they were like, oh, yeah, we probably should have told them. <laughs> All right, see, things, things don't always go as expected, right? We didn't expect to be chased by the police. We didn't expect to be even asked to help with the security guards because that just was crazy to think, right? And then... <laughs> The police for sure didn't think that they would be outsmarted by four idiots and uh, left locked in the tennis courts of our, of our campus, right? Things don't go as expected. And at Christmas time, we can get caught up in this, in this dream, can't we? Right? We, the, the illusion, the, the magic of Christmas. Well, uh, I don't, but some of you all watch Hallmark movies every single day during the Christmas season, right? Like Christina, right? Christina, every single day, like today, after church, she's going to watch a Hallmark movie, I'm sure, and I'm just going to fall asleep, right? We, we dream of a white Christmas and sparkling lights and uh, a kiss under the stars with, with snow flaw falling romantically, and we can take one quick look at Instagram, and we can decide our Christmas is going to be perfectly curated and look just like the different influencers that we follow, like their homes, and... Here's the thing, Foundry Church, right? Those, those things, the, those, those dreams that we have, those expectations that we have, never, and I mean absolutely never, go the way we want them to, right? Unexpected things pop up into the equation. It never snows, right? We, we want a white Christmas, but it never snows, Right? The, the, the weatherman on the news said that there is less than a 10% chance of snow on Christmas Day in the DMV. I am sorry if I'm bursting anyone's bubble. 
right? And we never get exactly what we ask for under the tree, right? And those, those influencers that we follow who have the perfect home and seem like they have the perfect Christmas, well, they paid someone a lot of money to make their house look like that for Christmas. So Foundry Church, right? If there ever was a holiday, if there ever was a season to celebrate and to worship uh, God and his sovereign control over things not going the way that we planned them to go, it is Christmas, right? Simply put, it's this. At Christmas, we should expect the unexpected, right? And during this season, we should expect the unexpected. That, that first Christmas was very far from the perfect events that people expected. Right? Very little uh, went as Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus, expected. Right? Joseph had not expected to have to choose between uh, divorcing Mary and changing his whole life plans or sticking with her, even though she was already pregnant. And I'm sure that that after he made his decision, he certainly did not expect the difficult, unplanned detours that took them to Bethlehem, then to to Egypt for a while, and then eventually back uh, to Nazareth, their hometown. And I'm certain that neither of them expected that their baby was going to be born in a barn carved into the side of a mountain, and that his first crib on that first night was going to be a manger, right? But again, here's the thing, right? God is the God of the unexpected, right? God is the God of the unexpected. When we think there's no, no cure, when we think that there's no hope, when we think that there's no way, that uh, there's God, <laughs> And he's the God of the unexpected. So let's, let's take a look at this unexpected story that just turns everything upside down. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read the first 14 verses, all right? A long chunk today, so you're going to want to follow along. You can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And here's the thing. You can take those Bibles with you. Uh, they are free for you to have, for you to use uh, we want you to turn and look and follow along, not to take my word for it, right, but to read it for yourself and to uh, uh, get used to reading God's word for you. So Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Now Luke is the third book of the New Testament. The Bible's broken up into two testaments, two parts. So it's the second part towards the back. Luke chapter 2. And I'm rambling because I can't find it. All right. Luke chapter 2 says this. It says, in those days, a decree went out from uh, Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All right, a census. All right? This was the first registration when uh, Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, even to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because right, that's his hometown. He had to go to Bethlehem even though he was settled, settling in Nazareth. Because he was the house in the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Right, fancy word for saying his girl. 
who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Right? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Now, Christina and I have a, a, a little tradition. My, my wife, Christina, she's back there. And she can attest to this. Every year on Christmas Eve, after our service here at church, and if you don't have plans, this is the best family tradition you're going to have with your family. It's going to be here, to be here on Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock, right? This place looks like a Hallmark movie invaded our auditorium, all right? We're going to sing carols, we're going to celebrate communion, and we're going to have an opportunity to remember the reason, not to sound cliche, for the season, all right? So you're going to want to be here for that time, 5 o'clock, right, Christmas Eve. But after the service each year here at the Foundry, uh, we go out to dinner, all right? We, we go out to dinner, we, we come back to the church after dinner because I'm, I'm worried that all the candles that we had burning in here are going to burn the place down. So I come back and I do a double check, all right? And then we go home, we get into our PJs, we sit down together, we turn everything off, and just the two of us, and, and then real quick I freak out again and think, hey, should I go back to the church because there was like 200 candles, right? She calms me down, after all of that, we sit down and we read these 14 verses, right? So this is a, this is a special verse to me and to my family, right? In reality, it's a special uh, passage, special verses, right, for all of us because of the sign that the angels talked about with the shepherds, right? Let's, let's read that verse again, right? So, so verse 12 is where it gave it, us the sign. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, Right? This will be a sign, it says, to you. What sign? You see, right, every baby in all of Jerusalem and in Bethlehem was wrapped in swaddling cloths. They were, they were wrapped, they were tucked in cozy. So, so that was not the sign. What was the sign? Right? The manger, right? The manger, right? Luke, Luke is the only writer, only author in the entire Bible who, in the New Testament who uses the word manger. And it's, it is so important. Right? Let me be clear. This was, this was no magical manger. Right? This was no magical feeding trough. This was not a, a new top-of-the-line eye manger right? that you pick up at the mall. Right? This, this was a feeding 
trough. Plain and simple, right? I'm sure that Joseph and Mary, they cleaned it up the best that they could. They, they scrubbed it a little bit. They, they no doubt padded it in some way to make a comfy little bed. They used the straw that was around, right? Mary probably pulled out some Clorox wipes or, or whatever they used back then to get rid of germs, right? But there is no way to romanticize this, right? Into anything other than a feeding trough for slobbering animals. That's what, that's what it was. I debated about bringing my dog, uh, Barton's his bull, in. Right? If you've ever seen Barton, you know that he, like, he's, he just drools. Right? Right? It was worse than Barton's bull. Right? Right? The first bed for the Son of God, God in the flesh, was not a royal cradle. Right? Take a look at this. The unexpected first bed of the Savior of the world was a common corn crib meant to hold scraps, the throwaways for animals to eat. Right? The, the shepherds, uh, they must have heard the angels say this, and they would have been like, man, um, dude, right? I, I, are you sure? Right? If I was a shepherd, that's what I'd be saying. Hey, angel angelic host are you sure right can you repeat that because you may not be from down here uh, but we don't put babies in mangers we don't put babies in feeding troughs right the, 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 to the shepherds this must have sounded so ridiculous right? so unexpected crazy but it was unexpected to God it wasn't unexpected to God the Father. It wasn't unexpected to, to God the Son. So let's zoom out here for a hot second. Right? When you look at the Old Testament, when you look at the prophecies that are in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus' birth, right? the, the, the birth of the Savior, they happen a good seven centuries before the story that we just read in Luke. Right? Right, so, so God had a quite a bit of time to plan the details of the incarnation and arrange the arrival of his son in the right place at the right time and in the right way. Right, he could have easily arranged that a, a faithful virgin and a just man in the lineage of David be found already in Bethlehem right, to, to line up with the Old Testament prophecies about those key points. Right? But instead, he chose Mary and Joseph, who lived in Nazareth, not Bethlehem. So to solve that problem of Mary and Joseph being in a different town, God could have arranged to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem for a, a personal matter. Right? That, that could have got them there, like a sick aunt. Right? Got to go vi visit my Aunt Mary or Aunt... Susie or whatever, right? Or there could have been a business deal that Joseph needed to complete, right? He could have had to bring some lumber to Bethlehem. Or, or there could have been a free vacation for their honeymoon. That's what brought them to Bethlehem. But he didn't do it that way. God didn't do it that way, right? Instead, God moved Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem by the use of an empire-wide census. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, think about it, right? 
Zoom out and think about this, right? In no small feat, God arranged that the most powerful leader in the world would order everyone in the, in the entire empire to go to the town of their origin to register. Right? In view of that, it becomes crazy to think that, that a God who wields an empire to, to move one woman from Nazareth to Bethlehem can't arrange for there to be an available guest room upon their arrival. Right? Planning a bed for his son was much easier than planning a global census. Right? Are you tracking? Right? But God, he didn't do it that way. Because here's the thing about unexpected changes to life. Again, nothing is unexpected to God. Right? right, Jesus was lying in exactly the place that God the Father planned a manger, a feeding trough. And this was on purpose. Right? The, the manger was a, a design detail, the birth of Jesus. The manger was picked purposefully. The manger was a sign of this very first Christmas. Now, it was a sign that no other king anywhere in the world would be lying in a feeding trough. No other king in the world, right? Because when you find this king, when you find this king, you will find the king of kings, right? And it will be a sign of something crucial about his kingship, about his lordship, about who he is. The manger is a sign of this. The manger was a sign of the humility of Jesus, our Lord. The God that we're forging our life on. The manger was a, a perfect start uh, to the, the humble journey of our Savior. It was the, the first step of a journey of service and of grace and of sacrifice. The manger, the very first step. Now let me explain something very quickly here. Right? You're, you're going to want to get a hold of this. You're going to want to understand this right this this is important listen there are three times right three times in all all scripture foundry church there are only three times that jesus was wrapped in his life all right let's let's think about this for a second there are only three three times where our lord our Savior, the God that we're forging our life on, was wrapped, all right? The first we just talked about, he was wrapped in those swaddling cloths, and he was lying in that manger, that, that, that sign of Christmas. The humblest, the most unexpected of beginnings to anyone but God, all right? That's the first time. And then the next time he was wrapped, let's look at it. If you have your Bibles, just turn over uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, to the next book, John chapter 14. This is the only other, this is the second time where he was wrapped. All right, the first was in the manger with swaddling cloths, and then there was this time. It says this, and you will know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know uh, the way, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, right, you would have also known the Father. Also from, from now on, you will know him and have seen him. And Philip said, 
All right, Philip said this in verse 8. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? All right, let me keep going here. I put, what? I'm reading the wrong verse. 14. All right, no, that's wrong up there. All right, so the second time is this. When Jesus was with his disciples, right, he's, he's going into this room. They're all up there in the upper room, right? They're, they're having dinner, or in a room. They're having dinner, and Jesus, he takes a piece of cloth, and he wraps it around his waist, right? He wraps this cloth around his waist. The only, the, the second time where he, it describes him being wrapped. And what does he do when he wraps this cloth around his waist, if we know this story? He washes his disciples' feet. Right? He, he, he kneels down in front of them. He grabs their dusty, dirty, uh, stanky feet, right? And he washes them. And with the, the cloth that is around his waist, he dries them. He, he cleans them. He restores those feet, right? That was the, the next time he was wrapped with a cloth. It was in service of his disciples. He washed those dirty, nasty, smelly feet. He humbled himself, right? Again, be, before them, literally kneeling down before, not in worship, but in service. Who would have ever expected a king to, to wrap himself in a towel and wash the feet of those who followed him? He washed the feet of his servants. No one would expect that except for God, Right? That God who expects the unexpected. A God who serves. A God who is humble. And then the final time that Jesus wrapped was just a couple chapters later in John chapter 19. After his death, Jesus was wrapped in what it says? Burial cloth. Right, People had been following Jesus for years, and then he was taken away in the night, put on trial for a crime he did not commit, and then chosen, he was, then was, was a murderer was chosen over him, right? And he was sentenced to, to the cross to die a death that he did not deserve, and then he was wrapped in burial cloth. He dies an unexpected death. Well, unexpected to everyone but God, right? You see, this is the sign of the manger. <laughs> this is the, the sign of all of those unexpected things. Take a look, right? The, the humility of our Savior should never be a surprise to us. Right? The humility of our Savior should never be a surprise to us. He was lying in a manger from the very beginning of his time here on earth, wrapped in cloth. He, he took a cloth, and instead of making his servants serve him, he served them. And then he went to the cross, and he went into a tomb. He was wrapped with that cloth. He died for us. The humility of our Savior, of the God that we're forging our life on, should never be a surprise to us. All right, given uh, the choice between a grand entrance uh, and a donkey, right, during, during Holy Week, what did he choose? 
he chose a donkey and he headed into Jerusalem, giving the choice between a child born in a palace to a king and a refugee born in a barn. He chose the refugee in a barn. Given the choice between us praying, uh, paying the price for our sins, paying a, a penalty that we could not afford, and him dying a death of a criminal, despised, forgotten, spit upon, he chose the cross. Right? Jesus will always choose the low road, the humble road, the hard road. Right? What a God, Boundary Church. What a God that we forge our life on. <laughs> I recently read this quote from John Piper, and he says it like this. The, the Calvary Road, right, the, the road up the mountain of Calvary where Christ was crucified. The Calvary Road is downhill. Not because it gets easier, because it gets lower. The Savior's life starts low and it ends lower. Right, Jesus did not come into this world in a manger and think, well, it can only get better from here, right? It's only up from this stinky barn. No, he came into this world with full knowledge that he would come into this world in a dirty barn and that he would leave it on a filthy cross between two criminals killed for crimes that we committed. And this is how the Savior saves Right, this is how the, the Messiah fulfills all the promises. This is how the Lord reigns from, from infinite deity, from a feeding trough to the final torments of the cross. Our Savior, Jesus, God in the flesh, Foundry Church, God who we forge our life on, Foundry Church, not only accepted the unexpected, he planned for it. He planned for it. Everything he did, Foundry Church, was unexpected and humble. Right, so, so here is the quick, down and dirty, easy lesson for us. When the unexpected comes into our lives, we all got that, crud. Right? right? When the unexpected comes into our lives, worship the God of the unexpected and humble service. All right, when the unexpected, the, 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 the junk, the stuff that just weighs us down, the heavy burdens, but also the good stuff, the joys, all right, the, the highs, when those, when those all come into our life, we have to worship the God of the unexpected and humble service. Now, I'm sure all of you have a list of a million things to do between now and the big day, right? Between now and Christmas, and you want everything to be perfect for your family. You want your kids to have the greatest gifts, and you want your dinner to be the best tasting, and to have the, the most beautiful table uh, decorations. And you want, to be, uh, you want it to be a day with no fights, and no la uh, with only laughter. Listen, right, that would be great. Right, that, would be, that would be awesome. But ask yourself, why? Right? Why? Right? Why do you want all of those things? Are you searching for, for joy? Are you searching for peace? Are you searching for hope? Why? Right? May I suggest that you look to the unexpected manger, the humility of the manger, to find those things. 
May I suggest that, that Christmas is the celebration of the unexpected Jesus coming at an unexpected time and an unexpected place to humble himself and pay the unexpected price to give us, unexpecting sinners, the undeserved gift of complete forgiveness. Of complete forgiveness of sin and the unimaginable gift of eternal life. That's what this sign points to. As I, as I call the band back up here, I want to close by quoting one of my wife's favorite Christmas songs that's like always on in our house. Oh, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. All right, I tried. Been working all week on trying to sing it. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but it, it's called Winter Snowball by uh, Audrey uh, Assad. And listen to these words. All right, she says this. She says, you could have come like a mighty storm. All right, with all the strength of a hurricane, you could have come like a forest fire with the power of heaven in your flame. She says you could have swept in like a tidal wave or a big ocean to ravish our hearts. You could have come like a roaring flood to wipe away the things that we've scarred. But you came like a winter snow. Quiet and soft and slow, falling from the sky in the night to the earth below. Jesus, our Lord, could have come any way that he wanted to, Foundry Church. He could have came uh, the way that everyone thought he would. Right? He could have came and he could have destroyed Rome like people thought he was going to. He could have came in the clouds on a chariot with a horse made of fire, whatever. Right? We could get revelation on this thing. Right? But he came to a teenage virgin who was far from home in a town of about 300 people, to a barn with the stench of animals, and he laid in a manger to be worshipped by lowly shepherds. Look, that is what Christmas is all about, the humble Savior bringing the most unexpected gift of all time, redemption. That's yours to hold on to. If you call Jesus your Lord, if you've accepted his grace, if you've made him the Lord of your life, you have his example to follow. You have his grace to hold on to. And if you haven't, if you haven't, if you're just like, I'm just trying to figure out who this Jesus is, this is who he is. He came into this world for you. And his grace his forgiveness of sin, and sin gets a bad rap. Right? I'm not saying go sin. Sin doesn't necessarily mean all the horrible stuff. right? Sin is an archery word. You hear me say it all the time. Right? In the original language, sin means you missed the mark. You missed the bullseye. So what he does, he comes in this world and he taps your arrow back on the line, right? So you hit that bullseye. Right? He says in John, hey, you have come to, so that you may have life and you might have life to the full. Here, now, purpose, direction, right? An opportunity to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. 
But not just for your time here on earth, but for all of eternity, because he's also come to give you eternal life. That's life to the full. Our humble, our humble Savior. Let's stand and let's worship him this morning.